Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Coming up, a conversation with ex-army jockey Billy Aprahamian, now assistant trainer at one of the UK's top national hunt stables. Going up the steps at Sandhurst with your ironing board and I met a mate there who was, who's now a very good friend um, and we were chatting. The common ground that was horse racing and I said to him that day, I was like, I want to train racehorses. And I said, yeah, I want to do five years in the army and then I want to go and train racehorses. So if I could go and work for someone like Nicky Henderson, then that would be the dream. And somehow it, all the sort of stars aligned and I ended up here. Now, Billy's journey isn't your average one, but in just five years in the army, he got the most out of his time in service, including a win in the Grand Military Gold Cup in 2018. Baden came about in the Grand Military and I saw him. The boss put me on him one morning. I looked at looked at the rating and everything. Saw the horse and was like, "This is a perfect match for that race." <laughs> and then went to Sandhurst for Grand Military, and you know he was started off with a four to one shot. And, you know he was he was just an absolute dreamboat to ride around. I didn't do anything. I just steered. More from Billy later here on Forces Sport, but you can also see the lovely piece we did with him at Seven Barrows on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. It's called From Sandhurst to Sandown. I'm having a great time. Like all stables, Seven Barrows fortunes are a bit of a roller coaster, but Billy seems to ride the waves with a smile on his face. And full disclosure, we recorded this earlier this year, which is why you won't hear Julian on the interview just, just one but of the he reasons, is here one of he the is here today <laughs> that and the legal requirements that prevented me from getting anywhere near horses long oh, story oh there's long a story, story there. behind that one it is a lovely piece and, and Jules I know that you have a sort of leaning towards the horses um you enjoyed the piece that that we did with Billy oh it's fantastic and it's great to see somebody go from what is a world away a military environment to actually working and training with 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 racehorses that's not something obviously if you're in the military you work with ceremonial horses but racehorses is is a world away it's like going from a you know a land rover to to perhaps a, a, an f1 car so fantastic of course we do have military riders we've got nathan Rahman, who's somebody that we've spoken to in the past um so yeah i don't know if nathan's still racing nathan if you're listening let us know we'll come and see you again Yes, Nathan, email us on forcesport at bfbs.com. Um, there was some great representation across a lot of sports this week, Jules, but you had a close eye on the boxing over the weekend. Yes, it was the ABAs. It's had a slight makeover. I'm not sure if it's still called the ABAs, but we had a, a significant number of military boxers through to the quarterfinals and the semi-final stage. Uh, I think we had about seven or eight, and that's all three services. A difficult weekend, quarterfinals on the Saturday, semi-finals on the Sunday. So we've got th- uh, two, a pair, two to, through to the actual final. We've got Carnell Brown. Um, so he he's made it through to the, I think it's the men's, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, so I won't say it. But I think it's about eight, 85, 85 kilogram. And Lucy Kishileska, uh, she, now this was tough. This was a tough old, <laughs> this, well, not her, not, not just her surname, but Lucy Kishileska from the army was competing or fighting Terry Lee Stewart also from the army boxing gym. <laughs> so army versus army and Lucy won through on that. And that's the 69 kilogram uh, bout. So both Carnell and Lucy are through to the final. Um, so hopefully if I can, I shall get down to the army boxing gym this week and talk to them and see their prospects for the final. They must both be very, very confident of going and doing a job. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I spent my weekend doing. 
Thank you, Jules. Um, we had some UK Armed Forces football last week, a draw with Luton Town Academy, and that match was played at Hitch in Town. Both sides won a penalty with Luton equalising just five minutes from the end. Jake Gosling took the penalty for the UK Armed Forces on the hour and admitted he used the miss in the penalty shootout against the Irish Defence Forces as motivation to hit the back of the net this time. Played against a good Luton outfit. I think there was their 21 today, so um, they're decent young lads, obviously looking to get on the ball. But for us as a team, done really well, kept our shape well and thought we looked dangerous at times um, a lot of the time as well. So, uh, yeah, really pleasing afternoon. Obviously disappointed to concede late on, but um, some to learn on and we're looking good, I think. Just pleased to obviously put the penalty away, um, but obviously a bit disappointed we didn't win, but happy with the goal. Now, it seems to be the late equalisers that are catching the UCAF men out these days. Head coach Diffin Pearce reflected on another tough year in the hope that the Centenary Kentish Cup will get played next June. Yeah, it's been a tough year, you know, with the, the Kentish Cup cancellation and managed to get this game uh, organised last minute. But overall, great performance. I thought we did enough to win the game and, you know, penalty one end for us and a penalty the other end. And, you know, it was a good test for us. They were a good, really good uh, young side, knew the ball well. Thought we coped well with the with the um, with the pressures that they gave us, and actually on another day, you know, through a bit more clinical in the final third, then Coddy probably could have taken uh, our chances a bit better. But no, really, really happy with the performance, and uh, we step away now and we go and uh, wish them well for the Christmas and the services, and uh, we pick it back up in April. So, yep, very happy. If you want to see highlights from that match or more from the Forces sports stories that we cover, then please visit forces.net or the Forces News Facebook page where you can watch all our live streams back. Was that somebody cleaning their boots in the background or had Billy Abrahamian turned up early? What was going on? Was that somebody's boots in the background? Probably. I like the I like the fact that, I mean, our interview with Gemma last week was in a gym and... Uh, somebody was on a, a rowing machine. I'm always happy to have a bit of background noise, but yeah, cleaning the boots. You'll hear yeah. that in the Billy interview, actually. And the best, the best noise in the world is not horses braying. That's what you've got in the Billy. That's interview. the best noise in the world. Of all the noises <laughs> you could choose, horses braying is the one you'd go for. Well, it's because you can imagine them doing that <laughs> with their for, face. Well, so, well, uh, oh, is that what? <laughs> hang on, where are we going with this? I see. For you, I thought the the, the popping of a champagne champagne cork would be your number one noise. Hopefully. No? No. Well, I like them, but I prefer the the act of doing it. And um, let's hope that we'll be popping some champagne corks. When we win an award for this sterling show that we're putting together. I was thinking more an Ashes win, actually. But oh, we're, we're going to yeah. talk about cricket later. Winter sports, a ninth place for the GB sled in Altenburg with Taylor Lawrence and Nick Gleeson in the sled. Lamandine, meanwhile, came in 20th. Corey Mapp, who I very rudely did not mention last week, Sorry, Corey. He's competing in the para bobsleigh event in Park City, Utah today. His previous race, he came fourth as the World Cup kicked off at Lake Placid. And that was Corey's 50th World Cup start. Now, Corey is quite a character. He's, he's one of these people who has tried every sport. And actually, he wants to do, in para bobsleigh, they do the push start. He's in the bob and he gets pushed. But what he wants to do is the running start, like you would do in able-bodied bobsleigh. Can you imagine that? He's got... Well, he'd probably have to have um, uh, the the blades on, running blades on, and then jumping into a bobsleigh. But he wants to he wants to try that. Is is the power of bobsleigh? Is that part of the Paralympics yet? Is it is it been ratified? No, no, unfortunately no not, not there yet. Not no, there not yet. there yet. So. But um, but of course, there are two bobsleigh 
uh, teams will be involved in those Paralympics coming up next year. Also in winter sports, the Paranordic team are back in World Cup action in Canmore. There were top 10 finishes for Scott, Scott Mina and Steve Arnold in the 10K men's sitting event. And it's the fourth anniversary of their first race together. They kind of started on this Paranordic journey. Again, like a lot of our Paralympic athletes, they tried a lot of other sports before they came to one they love. And um, Scott and Steve doing work very well together out there on the snow. Finally, Jules, the Shape International Basketball Tournament was held last week. Eight forces teams from eight different nations competing out in Belgium, including a UK Armed Forces women and men's team. Now, the UCAF men pulled up a great 59-48 win over the Dutch side, but the overall winners of the tournament were the USA and France. Oh, what a shock. (laughs) I know. Well, the USA and France, Mm. and it's interesting because the USA women dominated proceedings and beat France 67-34 in the final. The French men have However, were the victors over the US 77 Actually, I, I am I am shocked by that. So There you go. Yeah. It's nice to have a shock. Sacrable. Uh, just finally, a word on rugby. Well, rugby union first. The Navy Cup final, HMS Heron lost to HMS Seahawk 28-14. But also some rugby sevens, some forces involvement at the rugby sevens in Dubai, Jules, as well. Yeah, well, there's some charity teams out there. I know the RAF lads went out there as well, but Scotty's... Um, Little soldiers, little soldiers were yeah. Forces Sports. This is BFBS. The Forces Station. Now you're listening to Forces Sport on BFBS with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Now it's time for Billy Aprahamian. This was recorded earlier this year, but it's still relevant. And I'm sorry to say... It was just me asking the questions. Due to COVID restrictions, only one of us was able to go to Seven Barrows. So Jules missed out on this one. But I hope you keep listening regardless. I promise you it's worth it. I started here after, I suppose, a short enough military career. I was in the army just just shy of five years. Um, so I started at Sandhurst and commissioned into the Irish Guards and served with them for, for four years. Um, and then from there, came to Seven Barrows. So the dream was always, always loved horse racing yeah. and always wanted to be involved but I also wanted to do the army you know there's there's lots of things to cram into life and um, I didn't want to I always wanted to do the army and you can sort of dovetail the two for a bit <clears throat> and then um, was lucky enough to find a job here. I wanted to kind of go back you were talking the other day about um, the overriding bit thing being a love of horses but how you came to that conclusion as well in that when did that passion for anything with horses start and you know what what sort of led you to to be here and be involved with horses well horses fam we've got a big horsey family um mum and dad have always hunted i think i was on the hunting field probably before i could walk um i remember when dad used to leg me up with his hunting crop when he used to get me off to open gates and then throw me on the horse with his hunting crop um, and the initial love with horses was actually polo. So I, I had a lesson when I was about 10, and I think my parents had no idea what they let themselves into. It went from you know, a kid with a polo stick on a pony to having, between me and my brother, I think we had 12 polo ponies at one point. Um, and you know, we used to spend every summer playing polo, dreaming of being professional polo players. And once the time came and I left school, that's all I wanted to do. And I played full time for three years. Um, it took me all over the world. It was, it was awesome. Um, but it got to the point where I was thinking I've sort of got to grow up, which hasn't, still hasn't happened. But um, when I and it was just so hard to make ends meet. I had eight polar ponies that I owned, had to keep them all, feed them all, 
pay for everything and, and that was just getting off the back of getting paid to play, um, which as you can imagine is hugely competitive. Um, so there I sort of made the sad decision to give up playing polo and I guess horses are a drug and you've got to go cold turkey. So I did and I thought I, were, I then got a job training, uh, trading grain, um, which is what my father's company does, sort of, I think a, just a knee-jerk reaction. That's what dad does. I could come back to this, let's throw my hand, hand at this and see if it works. Um, and that was a proper job, but that's about the only proper job I've had. And that's when the army came about. So I then, um, I applied. I thought about the army for ages, um, did tough mothers and things and thought this is what the army's gonna be like, it'd be cool. <laughs> and anyway, I was on holiday with a friend and she was like, why don't you apply? I was like, well, I don't think I'll get in. She was, you're not gonna get in if you don't apply. Anyway, I applied and got in and it, and it all went really, really well and loved it. And, but ultimately I always wanted to come back to horses because at the same time I, I suppose I probably told that a bit wrong. I think the racing, I got back in, I got into racing before the army. So I was point to point riding and doing all that. And then I went to the army and continued doing as much race riding as possible. Sandhurst mate, it was almost impossible to do any race riding because it's so busy. You, you know, it's a, year of, it's a year of hell. I don't know how keen I'd be to go and do that again. <laughs> but it's worth it in the end because yeah. you, know, you come out, you get a commissioned officer and it's, it's brilliant. But um, so I went through the army doing as much racing as I could. The Irish guards were great. I was based in Hounslow, which is sort of, it's an hour, an hour from here. And they would let me out a morning or two a week to come up and ride out up here, um, which, which is what sort of started my sort of love for Seven Barrows. You know, it's a, watching National Hunt Racing, the Seven Barrows horses always seem to perform at the Cheltenham Festival. And, you know, if you, if you know anything about horse racing, the Cheltenham Festival is always the big one. Um, and I always wanted to be involved here. Going on the military thing as well, yeah. um, you, you obviously were still involved. And it, my point is, is that for you, it was very much about the horses. But when did the training bug, was that being here and seeing what you could accomplish? When did that sort of come about? I remember going up the steps at Seven, uh, uh, not Seven Barrows, <laughs> at Sandhurst. And so going up the steps at Sandhurst with your ironing board, and I met a mate there who was, who's now a very good friend, um, and we were chatting. He, we came to the, the, the common ground that was horse racing. And I said to him that day, I was like, I want to train race horses. He was like, well, why are you here? I said, well, I, I want to join the army as well. But I think, you know, and also the army teaches you so much about meeting people, managing people, all sorts of different aspects of life, not just training racehorses that will be important and are important. Um, and I said, yeah, I want to do five years in the army and then I want to go and train racehorses. He was like, I said, if I could go and work for someone like Nicky Henderson, then that would be the dream. And somehow it all the sort of stars aligned and I ended up here. And tell us about the time, because um, you rode for Nicky and um, you sort of met your, what turned out to be your predecessor, the, yep. the trainer that was, the assistant trainer that, w that was here. Um, and like you said, the stars aligned, you met them seemingly kind of at the right time. And yeah. Would you say talk yourself into a job or? I certainly do. <laughs> somehow, I have no idea how. Um, yeah, so I, obviously being in the army, being keen to ride in the Grand Military, I looked at the, for, the previous form of the races and basically emailed every single trainer that had a runner in, in the race ever. Probably retired ones, I probably sent them an email as well. 
Anyway, and the only one to reply was, was the boss. And I thought, wow, if anyone's going to reply, this is the one I want to reply. And um, so we got a reply to, to come in one morning and look for Charlie or Toby. And I came in and Toby, I met Toby Laws, um, who has since become a good mate. Mm -hmm. And um, we were chatting away and I came in sort of one morning a week. And then Baden came about in the Grand Military. And I saw him, you know, the boss put me on him one morning. I looked at, looked at the rating and everything, saw the horse and was like, this is a perfect match for that race. <laughs> and then uh, he had got an entry and Toby was like, don't get too carried away. We don't know if we're gonna run it yet. Anyway, uh, then I came in school in one morning and um, went to Sandhurst for Grand Military and you know, he was started off at a four to one shot. And, you know, it was, he was just an absolute dreamboat to ride around. I didn't do anything, I just steered. And you went on to win uh, that on, on. So we won that yeah. race and then afterwards I was chatting to the boss um, and he asked me what my plan was with military care and stuff and I said that I would, I wanted to live, well, when I leave with the army, which wasn't just yet, but when I do, I'd want to go into national army racing and be someone's assistant trainer and learn from them and ultimate, ultimate goal would be to set up my own yard. Now you've been quite modest about this, but it's, it is unusual for someone with as little experience as you in the training realm and to, to walk, you know, walk, I'm not, you know, I think it's extraordinary, but you even acknowledge yourself that it's quite unusual for someone to walk into an assistant trainer role at such a high prestigious, you know, yard as Nicky Henderson's. You must acknowledge that yourself. And, and what do you think it is that, was it, was it just the fact that you and Nicky clicked? What was it that made it work? Well, I was not the first. So <laughs> Jamie Snowden's walked that path before me. So maybe the boss just saw that as a well-trodden path and thought, well, if Jamie, you know, Jamie's done it, then maybe Billy can do it as well. Um, so he gave me that chance. But the, the thing is, you say that, but the people here are amazing. So Charlie Morlock, who's second in command, I think he's to nearly 25 years now here, uh, in two, two stints. But, you know, so he knows the place inside out. He knows how it, how it runs and he's, you know, very helpful and will teach you, teaches you in his own sort of way but he certainly, he does teach you. Um, and then our sort of traveling head lads, and well, traveling head lad, lad and head lads, Rich and Sarah, mm -hmm. they've, they've been here 20 years, there or thereabouts, the two of them. You know, you can learn so much, so much from these people. It's sort of like, if, in army terms, from your long-serving non-commissioned officers and, and LEs, like Charlie's like that, you know, he, he's been here, done it, got the T-shirt, and he, you know, there's nothing, really knew that face that he see, hasn't seen mm. you know this even if it's just one thing we had a horse with a funny little thing on its leg at the beginning of the season and he'd seen it's like the vet our vet dave Matheson was like i've never seen one of those and charlie was like i think we had one in 40 years ago, so, <laughs> you know <laughs> um but you also said you likened the kind of the community here and um around the stables and the people that work here you liken that to being i know you weren't a squaddy necessarily <laughs> in the military you kind of likened it to that community yeah it's very similar it is it's racing i suppose is one of those it's it's pretty old school um and it is very similar to the army where you have the boss at the top you know your company commander or your commanding officer or whatever and they make all the decisions and then he's got a team and then you just need to facilitate everything so in that sense it is and but the soldiers are very similar to stable lads and lasses you know they, <laughs> they they want the same things they want to know when they're getting up when they're going to bed when they're going to eat 
and the other things I probably can't mention on camera. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that he mentioned food there because we took some treats for the for the sort of stable lads and lasses because, I mean, their morning, you know, they started at like four in the morning. We were there by sort of five, six, and we took one of those, well, I think about three boxes of donuts. They were gone in seconds and this is like five six in the morning they've already had a bacon butty as well but these donuts you did, I mean, you did not they were they were gone very quickly but you know it's a long it's a long day it's a long week it's you really have to dedicate almost 24 7 to that role but um, those early starts oh my goodness in the summer months and the spring perfect yeah. but this time of year this was midwinter and yeah it oh. was um I, I I wasn't loving it, but worth it in the end. I'm I, I you know if you love it and you love those horses. Did you hear the big horse bray at the I end? Heard there? The, I heard the bray and thought of you. <laughs> Not for the first time. I think I'm obsessed now. Come on, what's um? You know what I want to talk about. Let's let's go international. What's what's? Ah yes, you're thinking of this week's sport. What's happening? Well, should we have a cast our minds back to what happened at the weekend? Because I okay. think possibly the big event was Formula One. Yes, and it's all over. What a season it's been. Is it been scripted by Hollywood? I don't think I've ever known a season quite like this. I was watching yesterday at the Grand Prix and I did not know what was going on between <laughs> Max and Lewis at all. I'm and not sure anyone knew what was going on. It had to be halted at one point and restarted, didn't it? Twice. Stopped and started twice. Wow. And then there was another incident when... Uh, was he brake testing? Was he not brake testing? We don't know. And Lewis got a prang to, to, you know, to part of his car, carried on, won because... Max was nursing his tyres just to get back and get the points. So they go into the final race all square, level on points. You're you're right. You could not write this. I mean, we you know, three or four races ago, I thought Verstappen had it nailed on. But now Hamilton in his... And that is why he's such a good driver, because he's he's wow. just there, isn't he? And we Whatever we you say about his dress him. sense, he is a <laughs> yeah. fantastic well, that changed, driver. That changes yeah. in every season as well. I just but, wonder if, you know, whatever happens, are they going to... Are they gonna, argue it out in the old medieval way with with lances come here max we're going to discuss this outside all i know all i know is that if neither of them finish then verstappen wins on countback yeah courtesy of more grand prix won this but i i wouldn't Mm. want to be the person having to do the maths ahead of that but as as ever the formula one season will become to a nail-biting end as um as it seems to for most it's been a gripping season hasn't it it has yeah unlike the tires uh, um, and what also oh, ashes that's where we're going next isn't it i can see I your, little, your, your little face that's why you're wearing your cork hat so the ashes <laughs> gets underway this week at the gabba in brisbane uh, it's it's been very wet out there i know at the moment, yes and england have barely bowled a ball or had a go in the nets had but any neither of, neither have australia so you have to remember that they haven't had and they haven't had really much competitive test cricket for for a lot longer than England. Very very little test cricket, but I don't think there has ever been a more ill-prepared Ashes squad than this England squad. Oh, on the flip side, is they're well rested because mm. they've not been back-to-back fixtures. So physically, their bodies will be in top shape. But cricketing-wise, I just feel you need to have had some at least one decent game going into an Ashes test behind you just to just to have that confidence of some form especially, but. especially when it's the gabatoire um, the gabatoire in, yeah. um, in brisbane but um but i think australia haven't been beaten there for about 30 years until india beat them early this year and mm. england haven't beaten haven't won a series down under well they've won one series down under in 34 years um but I mean, you could argue that Australia have their own troubles. They haven't had much cricket. But I am worried that the momentum from winning the T20 World Cup 
we'll we'll go into um we'll go into the ashes. Well, slightly, there's no sli- Barmy army there's not not a lot of England no, fans out there uh, slightly slightly different uh, lineup for Australia and England of course when it comes to the T20 World Cup yes of course but also I just hope there's not too much pressure pressure put on young Ben Stokes because mm. he's back from all his issues and he'll be raring to go of course and he does galvanize a side but I just hope there's not too much pressure on him so we shall have to see well see I think happens. they've they've learned to manage players a lot better and I think actually the person who puts the most pressure on Ben Stokes is Ben Stokes mm. so he's got to learn to manage that himself um I am not passing comment given that I don't play an elite level of sport but I think his time away from the game and possibly what he's learned about himself in the last few years um, so, so some bleary eyed nights coming up with <laughs> yeah. the time difference I, do you think you'll make um, do you think you'll make well do you think you'll be awake to watch the first ball oh what yeah watch the first ball and then I'll be yeah. <laughs> what, what are you trying to say it dep- depends if it's another Steve Harmison effort from a few oh, years ago. Not worth it. When it was, yeah, yeah. When it, I was there for that. I was uh, actually well, at the Gabba for that. You probably could have caught the ball then because it, <laughs> it was sort of headed more towards it the media centre than it did the batsman. Anyway, it was pretty wide. Just um, um, going back to well, going on to football just quickly, only because it's very significant. The women's FA Cup final between Chelsea and Arsenal at Wembley at the weekend. It was a win for Chelsea, three on three nil, but. The significance of playing on the 5th of December, because it was 50 years since the first Women's FA Cup, which the Hampton won in 1971, after a ban had been lifted on women playing football since 1921, because it was unladylike. And I didn't realise the significance of that. So um, really nice to see a, a, you know, a crowd at Wembley and, and a good game, well, I think, well, especially I, the I second think, half. I think the FA back then were worried that there was more money going into the women's game than there was to the men's game. So blokes being blokes put a stop to it <laughs> enough of that Mildred did you see the Sam Kerr goal fantastic goal yeah yeah fantastic way to, to finish things for Chelsea yeah uh, and netball as well staying staying with women's sport England did a job over Jamaica in the, in two they didn't need the third test which they lost but um, yeah they, they did didn't lose. need that so first game building for the future with the Commonwealth Games coming up so that's that's going well for England if you're a fan of England netball well, so we've done the Formula One we've done the football uh, I think a couple of other things we should mention on on cricket, only that this morning it was announced the fifth test and it's been long awaited. The fifth test in Perth has been moved due to COVID. It's either going to be, well, it could be a day-nighter in Melbourne or Sydney could hold the fourth and fifth tests. uh, But they're also discussing Hobart in Tasmania as well. um, Well, if it's a day-nighter, that might come into England's favour because they might might be able to use the pink ball slightly better than they do the uh, kookaburra ball which they'll use in the day games so yeah they're not we'll they're not a big fan of the kookaburra are they they prefer the dukes ball obviously mm, yeah if, 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 if yeah if you're not a cricket fan they use different <laughs> it's the, it's the same it's the same size and everything are we back on balls the, again jules we love a bit of ball chat <laughs> and some players prefer the uh, british made dukes and uh, the australians obviously use the kookaburra ball and also well, looking... darren darren goff should we say yes. darren goff has just been appointed the Yorkshire Cricketing director. Managing du- Director. So all the trouble it's... that's been happening in, in Yorkshire, um, Darren's going to take the helm for a while and, and steer that ship safely to new ground. It's a great appointment. Of course, he'll have to drop all his other media duties and dancing duties and, and what have you. As but, have you um... to present this programme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, two left feet, two left feet, me, Jules. Well, yes. <laughs> 
No, look, let's look ahead to what's going on in the Forces world this week. We've got the Royal Navy Sports Awards being live streamed on our Forces News Facebook page. That's from 8.30 tomorrow night. Now, in terms previous, of... Previous winner for that, Sam Matavesi had a great game for Northampton Saints at the weekend. They yeah. won. Always keeping an eye out for our Forces athletes. We've got um, boxing features quite strongly in the nominations, actually. The team of the year has already been decided. That goes to the equestrian dressage team. It's in been the... a very horsey show today. Well, I think it could get more. Yes, it could, oh, it get, could more get more horsey. horsey. We've, got, we've got so many forces sports stars out there who um, who like life in the saddle. But um, yes, yeah, so that's the team of the year equestrian dressage. That's already been decided for the sports women of the year. Lucy Ingram from snowboarding, Sophie Colborn from boxing, and Claire Drew from rowing. The sportsman category you've got Stu Moss from rowing, George Crotty, of course, from boxing, mm. and Daniel Saltis from triathlon. So please do tune in to the Forces News Facebook page from 8.30 tomorrow night um, just to find out who the winners are. And talking about Rugby Union, you did say you'd be going to the Army Boxing uh, uh, Gym. Uh, yes, this week, yeah. Army. Bo- talking about Rugby Union, you did say you'd be going to the Army Boxing Gym. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Sorry, I'm, I, my head is so full of horses. just cricket news. Yeah, and cricket and horses. Yes, so that, I'm going to um, try and check out the Army Boxers this week. That's it from Forces Sport for this week. Remember, you can listen again, or even better, catch up on our first 10 episodes at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on Apple, Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts. The full interviews are available on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel and you can always keep up to date with the latest news and sport at forces.net. Do I get a sugar cube? Do I get a sugar cube after this performance today? You haven't been good, so no. Uh, (laughs) The best way for any of us to cover any sporting event in your area is if we know about them. So please keep the emails coming in to forcesport at bfbs.com. Thank you so much to everyone who's already emailed with suggestions of who should come on and stuff we should cover and audio we can play out. That goes for any sporting personalities that you think deserve more airtime here on Forces Sport. We do have a long list, but we're always happy to add names as well as tick them off. It's goodbye for me. Goodbye from Jules. We'll see you next week when we're being joined by a gold medal winning Paralympian. See you then.